0: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is one on one.
1: I got a chance to be molded by him more than most do you know a lot of people don't get a chance to see their fathers you know i was all day i saw him at school he was my gym teacher you know i saw him at weightlifting afterwards in the off season i saw him at seven on sevens i saw him at practice games and and we
0: got a chance to spend so much time together and still why we're why we're that close currently And our guest this week is University of Delaware head football coach Ryan Carty. And Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate you having me again. So let's start as we are recording this in February. I guess you're about 14 months you've been the head coach. You've gone through an entire kind of life cycle of a first year of a head coach. Has life slowed down now that you're kind of on your second time of doing things, you know, across the board? It has.
1: And it's, uh, you know, I think the the first year was pretty much a whirlwind because you know anytime I did anything regardless of day or month or week or you know anything on a timeline it was the first time I had ever done it as a head coach and so you had that learning curve kind of going uh, continuously for about a year and so now the this is the second round of off season I've had you know as opposed to just the first and so you know we're learning from the things we did the first time around and you know I don't think the pace of being a college football coach has slowed down, but certainly, you know, being able to handle everything and, you know, going through the process the second time does slow down some of the, you know, your brain at least and the way you think and process and um, understanding that you've already been through something like it, you know, even though each situations are usually unique, but you have that learning process you already went through after year one.
0: You had a successful first season, guys get to the playoffs, win a playoff game. I'm curious for you personally, how long does it take you to kind of completely take in a season, kind of mentally categorize it and until you move on? How long do you need to kind of put it all together mentally before you kind of turn the page and start looking ahead to the next?
1: Well, it's funny you go through phases as a as a coach, because like right after, obviously, when you're in it. Um, you you know, you hop right into recruiting and you have a a taste in your mouth, good or bad, on, on how things went. And they're not always a hundred percent right. You know, sometimes you, you think, uh, away and then you, you go back and self scout and watch it. And it, it wasn't exactly how you thought it was. Most of the time as as experienced coaches, we have a taste, we have an understanding of what it probably is gonna look like, but maybe some some nuances were a little bit different. And then we go in through, you know, we go through recruiting and recruiting lasts a little bit longer now because of the the timelines and the portal and all that. And it's a little different. But as we come out of it now, you know, we're still on twenty twenty-two and twenty twenty-three at the same time. So we're still trying to, you know, go through all of our self scout and make sure that we're clean in the things that we did and, and trying to get Questions from what we did, and 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 get issues fixed, and places that we'd love to improve, and then we're also at the same time looking toward 2023 and at everyone else that did things well in getting those questions answered. You know, in in the at the same time, and so hopefully we can put that all together by the time we get to spring ball, and then do the same thing for spring ball. Okay, where what did we do well? You know, what do we need to improve on? Who does this well? Where can we get our questions answered so that when we roll into fall camp, we're hopefully in a really good place as coaches and players and understanding what we want to be and what we want to look like and who we are. And so, you know, we'll still have, again, the, that's the beauty of this game. There's still going to be fluidity to it. There's still going to be injuries and, and changes and uh, additions, subtractions, and hopefully over the course of the next, you know, six months or so, We got a pretty good understanding, though, of what we needed to do better from last year, what we need to continue to improve upon and keep the same, and then move it along and hopefully get more repetitions at it come spring ball and fall camp.
0: To the point of spring ball, a second spring, I'm sure your first is so much implementation and just logistics from a who's who's who and, and stuff like that. How much further along the field, forgive the pun, will you be heading into your second spring where you know, stuff's in, obviously new players have to learn, but the core understanding of what you want and what's expected is there.
1: I would say so much more. And I th- I'd say the biggest difference would be the coaches understanding what practice should look like and what pre-practice should look like and post-practice should look like. And all those things that were implemented were implemented pretty quickly. And we had to, I had to essentially, you know, teach and Uh, information to the coaches of what I wanted they didn't necessarily know what my vision was and what it looked like when we got out there even if we talked about it and so it was harder for them over the they had to also learn on the fly and disseminate information into their position groups as we went out there whereas now we're going to have new players and a couple of new coaches going through these processes in spring ball that we didn't have last year at this time but that information gets passed along a little bit easier there's more norms already as opposed to just everything being new i mean hundred percent of everything in spring ball was new last year now not as much of it is and so i think it'll be a lot easier um you know hopefully we can kind of get back down to you know uh, the fundamentals in the business that we need to take care of during that period because of that because it'll be a little bit easier to kind of transition from uh one you know section of the offseason to the next
0: first year as a head coach did anything surprise you and when i say that i don't mean an outcome or a play call or stuff like that just something that came across your desk that ended up being under your purview that you wouldn't have thought you were responsible before you took over because i know coordinator you've been around but i would think once you're the guy there's a there's got to be a learning curve just of what you're supposed to handle
1: yeah there is and i think you know, as much as I'm maybe not surprised, just, um, you know, when it happens, you know, when you're actually in it, you know, I think, you, you know, because you've been around football for so long and I've, you know, I've been a, a, a position coach at four different positions and then a coordinator for a long time. So I kind of knew what head coaches had to deal with, which was one of the reasons I didn't want to be a head coach for a while. I think I think there was a lot of things I was like, ah, it's not really what I'm here for. But uh, so I think I would say the surprising thing for me was not that I had to deal with it. It was that I. I didn't mind it as much as I want, as much as I thought I would. I think there were some things that, you know, I really always kind of thought were things that I didn't really want. To, I just wanted to be in the weeds of football and, and X's and O's and do that and, and, and be with the guys. And um, I do think that, you know, the impact that some of those other head coach duties they get thrown at you, you know, can be very instrumental to making, breaking your culture and your foundation and and how good your team can become and how you deal with those situations. And so um, you know it, that outlook on it was a little bit different once I was in it. That I think that's what surprised me is that you know I, I didn't hate dealing with those things. I mean, there, again, there, there's some things that are easier to deal with than others, but you know I think it's another way to to get a touch point with a, a student athlete, and it's another way to you know maybe help a, a young coach become who, who he wants to become in the profession, all those other things that you deal with that aren't just X's and O's. And so, you know, it's all culture building and hopefully it it all adds up and accumulates into, you know, something that we can say as a winner.
0: You mentioned early on that the head coaching thing for a time there, you were like, ah, I, I think I'm good. So what, what switched? Was there a point in your career where you started to take a, a bigger view and it started to become more appealing? You know, what kind of flipped that switch for you? The University
1: of Delaware reached out to me. Really? That was it? And I said, yep, that's the one. That's it. I mean, I did, even up until then, it wasn't something that, again, I wasn't against it. It just wasn't something that I always tried to kind of put my head down and be really good at the job that I had. That was always what I was taught to do. And, you know, you have your goals and you have things that you you believe that you might be able to do in your life and accomplish. But, you know, you really have to focus and and be really intense in the thing that you're doing at the time. And uh, I've always kind of done that. I've always, you know, done my best to to try to stay focused on my current, you know, whatever my charge is. And, um, you know, I, so no, I, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't out there. I, this was the first time I, I interviewed for one. This was the, you know, this was all I, you know, I didn't always want this, but this is the job that I would always have thought in the back of my head
0: that, well, I mean, that's a different one. If
1: those guys, you know, ever called, I would be, I'd jump at that one.
0: Can you share how the first touchstone was reached, like what was the initial contact and what went through your head uh, when this started to roll into form?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, it's a little different nowadays, I'm sure, than it used to be because it was actually a a search firm that reached out to me, uh, you know, in the probably, uh, I don't know when it was, whenever they uh you know hired a search firm and i don't know when that was and i honestly dates at this time i have no i don't recall right. any of them anymore and it was a little bit of a whirlwind at the time as as you know because i was you know we were still in the playoffs and we're mm-hmm. going into the playoffs and when i was at sam houston and so i honestly my head wasn't 100 percent in it but when you know of course it was one of those things that one of those conversations that you can't not have uh because of how important this job is and how and how great this job is. I mean, it's it is Uh, it's one of the best jobs in the country. And I'm, I'm fortunate and blessed enough to have been involved in it and then have the opportunity to to get chosen to do it. So it was uh it was a whirlwind of a time because of that. I was basically at two jobs there for a minute. And uh, it, it was exciting, but certainly stressful and, and uh, tiring.
0: Uh, how did you compartmentalize? Did you dedicate certain portions of the day where they would be forward looking to Delaware and the rest of the time was was Sam Houston, or was it just you? Kind of tackled things as they came, regardless of what direction they came from.
1: No, I um, I, I was pretty deliberate and and pretty you know uh, uh, you know I don't want to say aggressive, but I, I was you know matter of fact and that you know and and I think the people here appreciated it, and our administration appreciated it, and my current administration appreciated it. You know, I, I wasn't going to do anything to detriment the run that we were making and the commitment that I had made at Sam Houston, and so I basically only did things when I was done working. And so, you know, if I had, you know, a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, when I'm working those 15, 16 hour days, I worked those 15, 16 hour days. And then if they still wanted to talk to me after that, they could, you know, or if I they, they needed me to fill something out at that point, I could or whatever it was. And so, you know, I, I tried to do it the way that I would like to have it done for me if I was a head coach here and somebody had an opportunity to go somewhere else. And, you know, just the, the, the devotion that you have to the team that you're currently coaching for, it's got to be it's got to be sacred and it's got to be something that's that's kind of the most important thing even though of course we all know that there are decisions that are made based on you know what's best for people's families and and you know livelihoods and and those things are certainly going to uh be affected in this profession and so we have to have that understanding but as long as we're all kind of in an unwritten contract of You know, let's let's devote our time to the team that's currently employing you first and then the other guy's second, that second process second.
0: So growing up, was football always your top sport or were you playing whatever was going on in the neighborhood or whatever was in season? Like where where was football on your depth chart?
1: Yeah, I was a football baseball guy more than anything. My father was a football coach, and uh, it was a it's a Hall of Fame coach in the state of New Jersey. Uh, both of my brothers were Division one scholarship players uh, as well, and so you know, football was obviously important. It was the most important sport in my household, whether or not it was, you know, the the most important for me. And, you know, there was a time where, you know, I thought baseball might have been the sport that that might take me further, just, you know, based on size. And I was a short quarterback and all that. And then I ended up doing, doing okay as a junior and senior and, and, um, and getting recruited And uh, because I loved football. I wanted to do it uh, more than I wanted baseball, but, you know, I thought maybe my stature might forced me that way. And so, yeah, growing up, it was basically football. I mean, we played all the sports because back then that was exactly what you were supposed to do to to be a good football player, right? was be a multi-sport athlete. And and obviously when you're not playing football, you have to be competitive at all times and compete and win and learn how to win and lose, learn how to fight, learn how to, you know, be tough, learn how to be mentally tough. And uh, all those skills that you learn in other sports, they translate, you know, whether it's ball skills or hip movement, athleticism, you know, any of those skills all translate. So.
0: So quarterback and what was it about playing quarterback that you loved? Was it being kind of the center of the universe? Was it the cerebral part of dissecting and making decisions and game planning and stuff like that, you know, or was it just cool? I don't mean to be flip about it, but at a young age, a lot of times just being the quarterback's the cool thing.
1: Yeah, I, I was, it's interesting you ask that, because I, I haven't thought about my playing days in quite some time because they were pretty unexceptional here. And so, you know, I, I would say the, the thing about playing quarterback that probably uh, struck me at an early age was that the ball had to go in my hands every play, and I appreciated. It. Like I wanted that. I w- I was always that kind of player. You know, if there was a game on the line, I wanted to be the guy at bat. And you know, I wanted to have that pressure on me. I appreciated it. I liked it. You know, it's not something I've ever shied away from, and that's probably what drew me to that position. You know, being the most important person on the team. I don't know for whatever reason that's the way my. You know my my psyche was. I think that probably drove me to work a little bit harder and maybe love the game a little bit more. Uh, it certainly you know probably prepares you to be a coach a little bit more because obviously everything you do is under a microscope. And and when you lost, it was your fault. And when you won, it was usually a little bit your fault and some other people's reasons. You know, some other people had the reason for winning. Uh, if you threw a, a nice ball to them, it's usually those guys who got the credit, which is awesome. And that's that's pretty much what being a coach is, right? I mean. You know, you get some credit for wins, but you get a lot of credit for the losses. And, you know, I, I think that prepares you for it earlier. And so maybe that's, you know, a little bit of a parallel there.
0: And you mentioned your dad football coach and you play. He was your high school football coach. What was what was that like? Was it difficult to maneuver when he's your dad and when he's your coach? You know, uh, did it lead to I don't even know if tension, but just some tense moments and stuff like that? What was the that like?
1: some awkward dinners on Tuesday nights. Yeah, I, I did. Um, I'd say that my father is, is one of the nicest men I've ever met. And so like, it was, uh, he's a tough coach, uh, but he was one of those guys that uh, it, it's hard to find players who played for him, you know, summer of high school that didn't love him. And so he was a little bit harder on me. And it took me a little bit of time to realize that, uh, you know, when I was younger, when I was a freshman or a sophomore, I'd get angry about it because he might yell at me a little bit more than everybody else. Even when I didn't really do anything wrong that day, because he hadn't yelled at me yet and he needed to, because I was his son. And if he didn't yell at me, then he couldn't yell at everybody else. And, you know, as an, you know, when you're young, you don't necessarily get that, you know, and it's it takes them a little bit of maturity a little bit of experience in it to realize that that was what it took to do it. But he was always, it was always in a a loving way. And he would always be very honest with me about it post-practice. And once you understand the rules, and you understand the parameters of how this is going to go. Uh, it was certainly the best experience that I, I would not trade it for the world. I mean, I, the fact that I got a chance to spend so much time with my father in, in those formative years. And, and luckily enough, I had a great one who, you know, has touched so many lives in in a positive way. And I got a chance to, to be molded by him more than most do. You know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people, don't get a chance to see their fathers. You know, I was seeing all day. I saw him at school. He was my gym teacher. You know, I saw him at weightlifting afterwards in the off season. I saw him at seven on sevens. I saw him at you know practice games, and and we got a chance to spend so much time together. And still, why we're why we're that close currently, Uh, I, I assume because of the uh the bonds that we built during that time in high school.
0: You feel like you're similar to him as a coach? I do. I, I feel like I'm.
1: Um, uh, I, I certainly have some aspects of him. You know, and I certainly know the foundations of, of my offensive philosophy or the things that he believed in very, uh, honestly, he was kind of a pioneer in, in the, the, uh, the way that he threw the ball. I mean, he, you know, those, he was throwing the ball Bosco and they, you know, in the, you know, what, I mean, it's gotta be late seventies. Everybody else was running I formation, power, eye tr- triple option. He was out there throwing, throwing quick game and fades and, you know, things that nobody else was really doing. And I think that you know, he, he always tried to be on the cutting edge of things. And I think I appreciate that he was always creative. And so I do think that he's certainly on that side of things on the X's and O's side of things and played a huge role in, in how I started to, to probably think about football and how I, I coach it as well.
0: We need to take a break. We will have more with university of Delaware head football coach, Ryan Carty right after this, this is one-on-one. And we are back on one-on-one. Our guest this week, University of Delaware head football coach, Ryan Carty. So you play in high school for your dad, college, Delaware. You were a part of Tubby Raymond's final recruiting class, am I correct?
1: You are, yeah. He retired the day after signing that.
0: Were you aware that that was how it was going to work, or was that a kind of a surprise?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we were not surprised. I mean, our, we weren't surprised that he retired at all uh i'd say that early i i don't think we i think we expected to play for tubby for a couple of years uh that that it was a possibility though he was getting up in age and, and i think he had alluded to it and it wasn't some secret that i think he was on his way to retiring you know the fact that it happened the day after we signed was a surprise to everyone yes i would assume minus a couple of coaches that were on the staff but um you know i don't think anybody really expected that one in in, in the recruiting class
0: So what was it that sold you on Delaware past, you know, a relationship with with Coach Raymond? What was it you saw? What did you like uh, about the University of Delaware that that sold you on it?
1: Well, you know, I'm a little biased right now, but there's not much not to like. And so, you know, the 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 fact that you can come to a university and get a top 40 public school uh, education in the country, you can have an unbelievable community following and fan support. You know, back then we were averaging twenty-two thousand a game. You were kind of the pro team in a state. Uh, obviously, we got about, a lot of Birds fans around here, but you know, this is the big show in town on Saturdays in in the state of Delaware. And then the the social life uh, on campus was always great. You know, I got a chance to meet so many new people, so many friends. The professors here were always so helpful and and uh, and help guide you to become the best version of yourself. And you know, just the resources that we had here for an FCS program. Um one double a at the time was you know, we're better, you know, and so um, I was lucky enough to to be recruited by these guys and shoot um it's a, it's it was a great decision,
0: so your career, you end up backing up a couple of really legendary Delaware quarterbacks, Andy Hall, Joe Flacco. Uh you're a part of the national championship team. What are your favorite memories from your playing days.
1: You know I I do think the the national championship game was a fun one. Uh just the fact that you get there. I, I wish I had the same perspective uh then that I have now. It's obviously that's part of perspective, isn't it though? You know, and um you know, I, I think at the time as a young kid, you know, I didn't enjoy it as much as I probably should have because I just assumed we'd be back there. You know, I was a young kid and you know, well, I'll just do this when I'm the starter later on, you know. And so I I probably didn't soak it in as much as I should have or could have at least. And, you know, I think even though I didn't, I wasn't always on the field, I do really appreciate, you know, the things I look fondly on or the relationships that I made. You know, I, I think I always loved being a good teammate. You know, I, I think the the people that I met throughout the, the time and, and helping other guys get better at what they did and hopefully helping the team in some way. Uh, you know, being voted captain when I was a senior was a pretty special thing for me. Uh, you know, I think that's hard to do. You know, I, as I've been a coach now, is is get enough of a presence on the team to to be voted a captain when you're not the starter. You know, is something that you know I, I'm I'm proud of. Um It's also something that I do think I probably again probably could have done better. You know, as a young kid, I see it from a coaching perspective now you know I, it's a hard job when you're not out there to make a play you know how do you balance that you know what do you say to somebody on the sideline when you're not on the field and, and those are things that are are tough probably for you know a, a kid who's still trying to figure out you know his own way and wants to be on the field and all that And so i think there were some some unbelievable moments that we had playing but mainly the things that you remember are the ones that aren't on the field and the, the times you had and the camaraderie you had and the the growth you you had with you know fellow athletes and you know, I, I really just cherish the time that I had here.
0: You mentioned you didn't, you know, didn't play as much as you'd like. You were the number two for the most part, behind some really good players. But that is tough at that age. How much did having your dad as your former coach? Was there discussions with him of this is how it is? You've got to do the best you can. Do you think you could have handled it as well if? you didn't have coaching in the family?
1: I don't know. It's a great question. And I, you know, who knows? You know, I, I and who and I'm not saying I probably there are probably times where I didn't handle it well either. So it's not, you know, I, I certainly was was not a great teammate all the time. You know, I know that. It took me a while to to kind of, you know, I was always competitive and I always worked hard. Um, but whether or not I was always in it. 100% when I, you know, got the bad news, you know, it probably took me a while to wrap my head around it before I got back in it. And uh I'm certain it could have gone a different way for sure if I hadn't been around those kinds of things my whole life and been prepared for things like that. I'm also thankful that there was no transfer portal at the time, because um, I certainly wouldn't have stayed, you know, just how this works nowadays. And, uh, and then I wouldn't have my current job. And so um i'm glad uh i'm glad that i did
0: was there a, a conversation with yourself about this because you know you're fighting for the job and you don't get it a couple times was there ever a okay this is what it is and we're gonna make the best of it or did you not kind of look at it in that kind of finality you know as a as a kid
1: yeah i don't think there was ever a finality until you know obviously until i lost the job my senior year to joe that was probably the time i was like all right well This is where I'm at for this year. And, you know, I'm probably going to still be the number two all year. And, you know, I got to be, I got to be the best number two I can, you know, prepare like a starter, be the best captain I can try my best to be a good leader and, you know, continue to help Joe. I mean, I, as talented as he was, you know, whatever I could do to help you know, hopefully we can uh, do that, you know, go be a running quarterback where I needed to be and stuff like that. And so I, I do think that that, that happened probably then, but it probably took five years, you know, for me to, cause again, I, I, I was never not competing to be the guy, you know, that was the one thing that was probably good for me. Uh, if I, if there was a finality earlier, I probably would have been a little bit of a different kind of person, you know? And so there was always that, uh, that carrot there that, that I could be the guy, which was uh, probably good for my development.
0: Was coaching, given your dad being a coach, was coaching always something you figured eventually would be in your future?
1: I didn't want to do it. I know that it was not something I always wanted to do. You know, I want to say my going into my senior season, I decided I wanted to do it. So until then, I was almost against it, and I I knew I didn't want to coach in high school. It wasn't for me. And I'd watch my dad do it, and uh, at that point, I'd watch my brother do it, and it just wasn't for me yet. And so, you know, at some point, I, I. I did decide I, I think I just didn't want to do anything else. You know, I was like, I, well, I don't want to, you know, I was a business major and it, none of it really interested me as far as like, you know, exactly what I wanted to do. Nothing called to me other than the sport. And so I thought at least I would go put my all into it and see if I liked it. And, um, and, and I loved it. So.
0: What's the first foot in the door once you decide you're going to give it a try?
1: Well, I got lucky. Uh, it's a weird story, but I was, I was actually going into, uh, you know, our New Hampshire game my senior year. I was talking to Coach Kelly on this uh, midfield uh, during warm ups and we were talking about what I wanted to do. I said I wanted to coach. And long story, very short, eventually, you know, he helped me get a job at New Hampshire. And so it, it all kind of stemmed from there, a random conversation. And he had known me through recruiting me and uh when they offered me out of high school and then they still recruited from my dad, obviously. Uh, you know, Coach Dawson used to go down there and, and recruit Jersey. And so, you know, there was some connection there and and they, you know, trust me, I I didn't the foot in the door was a very, very low paying job uh and a lot of hours, but it was um it was exactly what I was meant to do. And you know, I learned so much up there and got a chance to really that, that was what made me the coach I am today. It was that time I spent up there with Coach McDonald and the New Hampshire football program.
0: Early in your career when you're 22, 23, and you're coaching a lot of kids that are 21, 22, 23, I'm sure it helped that it wasn't your former teammates because I've talked to a lot of people who, like, as a GA, they're at the place they were, and the guys they went drinking with a week ago. Now all of a sudden there's got to be different rules. Uh, but was it still challenging getting – getting respect or did it help so much that you were just a new face in a new place and even though they played against you you know it didn't have the same effect as if you were trying to do it at your your alma mater yeah i think it would
1: have been very tough to do it here and i don't think coach keeler would have let me i think you know knowing that coach keeler is a great person and and would have wanted what was best for me as a coach to if that's what i wanted to do i'm sure he would have given me a job if it's all i had but i don't think he would have wanted me to do that i think he and he would have been right you know you have to kind of go learn something else and spread your wings and get away from the guys you were just with. I was old too. So I was old for my grade and I played five years, which not everybody does anymore. Um, And so I was 24 probably when I went up there um, or at least going into 24, like probably turning 24. And so I was probably, there was probably only like one or two guys my age. Uh, But still, I mean, like, you know, Rick Santos was the quarterback there when I got there who you know, had one year left and was basically a year younger than I was. And, you know, I got a chance to have a great relationship with Rick. And that's kind of the thing is, I think at that point, since it wasn't my teammates, it only helped. Like at that point, I had a chance to, you know, come at it from a different view, but also understand and relate to the players a little bit better, as long as there was that disconnect between player and coach, um, which is on, you know, it's on the coach at that point.
0: Was there a first moment when you were coaching where you made an adjustment with a kid that you saw the light go off or you made a suggestion in a meeting and it turned into a big play on Saturday? Like, was there that kind of that first, I don't know if aha is the word, but the, wow, this is really awesome moment.
1: You know, I don't remember one specifically. I do know that that was, that, that place was such a, a think tank type of environment and offensively in particular it was very free-flowing ideas you could go in there with ideas as a young person it's an old person didn't matter they were going to be talked about as long as as long as they made sense and you researched them and you had your you know your p's and q's minded and so it happened you know early you'd be able to have a play in the in the game plan whether or not it got called or worked or whatever but Those things, those affirmations certainly helped me grow and understand that I wasn't just some guy who was doing all the work, which I was doing a lot of work as well, because that's what you do when you're young and you're a GA type guy. But I don't remember specifically with a kid, but it is one of the best feelings in the world when you see something come to fruition that you talked about and you and you worked on specifically especially like technique wise man there's nothing like that when you're when you're repping technique and you, you can get to that point where it turns into muscle memory for a kid and and, it, and then you see it show up in a game it's pretty fun to watch because you know i think there's that mutual uh understanding that it's uh you know it's it's what we did together you know coach and player that that got us to this point and that got us a, a win or a even if it's a win on a one-on-one in one play
0: won a national title we mentioned during your playing career won a national title at sam houston as a coordinator how does reaching the top of the mountain hit differently in different roles well i'll tell you this and like i said i
1: probably didn't cherish it enough when i was a player and so it's certainly players put in a lot of work and when we're players we think we put in more work than we probably do but let's say you know it's in season we put in 20 works of countable hours right 20 hours of countable work sorry um and so you know I probably you know as a coach you put in what 100 change and so you know I think that there's there's that difference of I mean the the what you put into it when you get that out of it when you can say that nobody else did it better than us this year it's pretty special because especially at our level there's no bowl games so there's there's one team that's happy at the end of the year and to be that team you know again i've played for a long time coached for a long time now and it's only happened to me twice and uh and i and i'm fortunate because a lot of times it doesn't happen to anybody you know at all and so it does hit different as a coach i assume it'll hit different as a head coach when we do it here uh and um you know that's uh hopefully the plan
0: final question favorite part of what you do oh
1: that's a great question um you know i don't want to be too generic with the answer but not too off from the question you asked two, two questions ago is the impact you can have on a group of young men, not just saying, you know, affecting change in individual kids. That's awesome. It really is. It's fun. But, you know, the ability to go through something with a group of people that's really hard is it just it forges bonds. And it's it's, uh, you know, when it when it works out the right way, I mean, man, is it is it special to be around the right group of people that buy into each other and do things with each other and for each other. And every day that when they go into a situation, you know, they know that the reason they're going to come out of it right is because of the people around them. You know, being in charge of that, at least being, you know, one of the people in charge of that, I mean, that, it's very rewarding. And so, you know, I, I like the obviously, the X's and O's part of it, but... Man, is that is that a special part of something that not everybody gets to do? I mean, a lot of people are a part of teams, but this the team this size, um, with the pressure on it uh, that it has, especially at the University of Delaware. You know, to come out on the other side of victories together is uh, is very special.
0: Ryan Carty, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you, Matt that will do it for this week's episode want to thank university of delaware head football coach ryan carty for being our guest this week if you like this show if you listen on apple podcasts want to help us out leave us a rating and a review you can follow the show on twitter at one on one pod you can follow me on twitter as well at matt leon 1060 thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about